cultural sensitivity is really a difficult thing to take on. And I will say in some ways in the tech sector, even harder. Technical workers, we tend to be technically focused. And I think one of the things that when I'm working with a group is uh, we have to start learning what our assumptions are. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Building an inclusive culture within our companies and the tech sector is imperative. At Status Go, we believe our businesses' challenges are daunting. As technology advances and society evolves, we will need to drive change and transform our businesses. To solve these challenges and drive this change, we will need diversity, diversity of thought, diversity of experience, diversity of culture, and diversity of backgrounds. For our part, we are dedicated to using our platform to amplify the voices of marginalized people in our midst. By hearing these voices, we can begin to build an inclusive culture in tech. In this episode, we will explore an aspect of diversity and inclusion that doesn't get talked about often enough, religious diversity. Today, we are gonna to talk to Aaron Spiegel. Aaron is the founder of 42CS, a leadership coaching and technology consultancy focused on the nonprofit sector. Aaron is also a rabbi. He is here to talk with us about his firsthand experience as a Jew in technology and developing cultural sensitivity across all religions. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation. It was not one that I had really thought much about. Uh, until you and I were introduced and started having this conversation. Um, and I, I can't wait to dive in and hear some of the stories and, and hear some of the thoughts that you have. But before we do that, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your background, your your career journey. How, how do you begin your career and how do you end up here at 42CS uh, and being a rabbi? Oh, man, Jeff, we don't have enough time for that. <laughs> I'll give the synopsized version because uh, it's careers. Uh, I started in corporate media production um, and before things were called IT, this would have been in the very early 80s, mm -hmm. essentially doing computerized slideshows, uh, which morphed into very early video projection of, of computer graphics. I traveled a lot, didn't want to travel anymore. So started doing what was then called technology consulting mm -hmm. um, for businesses and organizations. Um, and then somewhere in there in the late 80s, uh, early 90s, decided I would go to rabbinical school we don't have time for that conversation um, <laughs> and continue to do be a technology consultant while I was also working in a congregation. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I came to Indianapolis actually 26 years ago to work for a uh, um, company that made software products for the nonlinear video editing industry. Uh, that job didn't last very long. I ended up consulting. Uh, then started uh, consulting with a Lilly Endowment startup that did consulting directly with congregations, first in the city, then the state. Um, and a lot of what we were hearing about issues with congregations was around technology. So mm-hmm. um, were those and, specifically Jewish congregations? No, no, or no, all congregations. Okay. okay. Yeah, and in Indiana, uh, our database had probably 15,000 congregations, oh, wow. 26 of which were, were synagogues. So I worked mostly with churches um, and then started doing that on a national level. Um, and in September of last year, part of the Great Resignation, I left that organization <laughs> to do my, my, old, my own thing. Uh, and that's where I am today. Uh, I think that's the short version. That's that's excellent. So what's the significance of the name 42CS? I don't think I asked you that before. Oh, uh, you didn't. And you might not like the answer. Um, are you familiar with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yeah. Uh-huh. What's the a- answer to the question of the meaning of life? 42. <laughs> it was also Jackie Robinson's number, but it really is the Hitchhiker's Guide. It has oh, no that's great. That's great. That's great. Uh, outstanding. Outstanding. Um, so let's dive into this into this topic. And sure. um, when when you and I met, um, I forget now who even introduced us. Um, uh, Alan Ariel, I think, introduced yep. us, and uh, we had a chance to to talk. And one of the comments that you that you made right off the bat was religious diversity is not part of the conversation. Can can you can you tell us a little bit about your experience with that and and how do we make it a part of the conversation? Yeah, and to give some context there, um, when we spoke last, I was the interim executive director of the Jewish Community Relations Council uh, here in Indianapolis. And um, I already knew this, but I was finding this uh, even more so that the DEI and B conversations don't include religious diversity issues, in my case, specifically anti-Semitism. And not only did they not include it, but I found, I, I would almost say a hostile attitude towards including them. Hmm. And in my experience, there was a conflating of uh, DEI and anti-racism. And, you know, I would never want to compare community suffering as one person, one friend of mine says, it's not the suffering Olympics. But there is a way to talk about cultural diversity, which includes religious diversity, and not uh, take away from racial diversity. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, I had been aware of this for for many years. We saw it really succinctly after 9-11. Um, and I will tell you that in the interfaith, multi-faith world, that used to be code word for 
Protestant Jewish dialogue and um, Muslims were not often included. And after 9-11, it, it became code word for Christian Muslim dialogue um, uh -huh. just because folks didn't think about it. Well, yeah. I mean, how do, how do we begin to, to be more sensitive to it? I mean, before we get into that, what are, what are some examples that, that you see, maybe examples of people just not thinking? Yeah, um, I think there's some that are covert, some that are overt. The overt ones, uh, I'll use Indiana as an example. Um, my community has been, I'll say fighting with uh, um, high school, particularly high school athletics in the state for decades because they continually schedule major sporting events on Jewish holidays, particularly uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which always happens in the fall, which is the height of football playoffs. Mm -hmm. um, so we have said, here's the calendar years in advance. Can you not make it on a Friday night or can you not make it at the beginning of one of our, our holidays? Mm -hmm. um, and with, without much success there. Yeah. I'll add that in most states or many states, um, kids have, if they're not off for the holidays, they're excused absences. Mm -hmm. uh, my own kids experienced, uh, after a time, they said, it's just easier for me to go to school those days because my assignments are not always excused and um, sometimes it's just not worth the fight. So those are more overt examples. I think the more covert examples are, I think there's uh, just a general implicit bias in much of the coding world, um, mostly around racial sensitivity, but I think there's some religious sensitivity as well. You know, who are most coders? I'm generalizing, but it's true. They're young white men. And they don't know what they don't know. So um, if, if uh, they're doing something, say, in the healthcare field, and they need some data on um, uh, heart attack uh, issues, they're going to look in their own, their own mirror to see what those mm -hmm. would be and not mm -hmm. think about, well, we need women's statistics. We need African-American statistics. We need Asian statistics. And that's where the, the race, ethnicity, cultural and religion sort of get mashed together. Yeah. 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 And, and, and get built into software. Um, our, our software exactly. systems end up having this, this bias built in. I, I think the the other thing that that happens, and I know um, as a as a leader, um, I've probably been guilty of this. Not probably, I, I have been guilty of, of this. Is um, even scheduling business events um, and, and and putting them on um, a particular religious holiday not the, not the calendar holidays, right? Uh, which, you know, right. are, are more targeted at the Christian faith. 
Um, and so as a leader and a manager, you schedule a, 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 a two-day offsite where you're going to share meals, and it might be in the middle of Ramadan when, the, when our Muslim colleagues are fasting, right? And you don't, you don't think about that. What happens is, um, you're absolutely right. And oftentimes, my experience, both personal and professional, is they don't want to say anything. And they will, so they'll show up for this offsite uh, meeting and not eat, which is very uncomfortable for everyone. Um, yeah. So rather than point it out, we'll just go along. And, and I'm guilty of that too. Right. Or, or not show up. Go along. I mean, that's the other thing. That or I not show up. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just as a, to, uh, as a piece of forgiveness, just today, I had a colleague in the multi-faith world send me some invitations to a meeting, one of which was at the beginning of Rosh Hashanah. Now, of all people that should know, now he's not Jewish, but that would have looked ahead of time, uh, I would have expected him to do that. And he didn't. And I pointed it out and he was very apologetic. And so it happens to the best of us. Yeah, yeah. But, but there's got to be this feeling uh, like we were just talking about with the, the business meal invitation and, and, and that you, and even even your your children, you say it's just not worth it. That you just get tired of of yeah. constantly reminding people, right? That that's got to be hard too to to speak up um, on on behalf of others, on behalf of yourself, um, and have that burden of your whole community riding on your back to point out that hey, this is the beginning of a holiday. Well, uh, I don't know that it's a burden. We we always recognize that we're a minority in a majority. Um, it's not always up to the majority to to name things and speak out. And you're right, it, it gets a little old. I'll tell you a little anecdote. Anecdotes. One of my favorite stories. Um, this is when my kids were very small. My youngest was probably six at the time, five at the time, sitting in the basket at the grocery store. It's December. We come up to the checkout. And of course, the woman says at the end of it, "Happy Merry Christmas. And mm -hmm. out of the mouth of mouths of babes, my son screamed, we don't celebrate Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and the woman was, the woman was shocked. And mm -hmm. Uh, I was shocked for a second, and then I said to myself, he's right, we don't, um, yeah, because yeah. I forget. That's just the norm, and uh, we're going to agree and move on, because it's easier not to say something. Sometimes it's easier and safer not to say something, and then how do we expect others to 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 become culturally sensitive if we're not going to say something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I think the other the other example that we've talked about, and I know uh, in my in in talking with others, uh, just even food choices at business events, right? Um, you know, yeah. 
serving a pork dish or uh, I've got a, a, a good friend that uh, uh, I believe he's a sick. So he does not eat uh, meat. And he, he was talking about one of the first times he went as a very young employee, he goes to a business dinner um, and it's at a steakhouse. Uh, and uh, he was struggling to find what he needed to eat. And as we were talking earlier, sometimes that draws attention to you, right? Yes. And that's the last thing that you sometimes want when you're uh, new in a situation. And so even meal choices can be difficult. Again, as a as a as an anecdote of forgiveness, my own organization, uh, our entire staff gathered for dinner one night at a restaurant where we had a private room and uh, the menu was chosen ahead of time and all the appetizers were pork, all of them. Uh -huh. Now, I'm the only non-Christian in this organization um, and I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to embarrass the person who uh, arranged the meal and I didn't have to because several other people jumped to my... <laughs> I guess you would call it rescue. And she was embarrassed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't want to embarrass somebody and I don't right. want to make them feel uncomfortable. And it was a pretty, pretty big screw up. <laughs> and I don't know if she'll remember that or not. Yeah. Yeah. My guess is if she, if, if she felt that embarrassment deeply, she's going to, she's going to remember to at least, think and, and, and ask those questions. So, so that kind of leads us into the, into the conversation. How do we interject these things into our, uh, we're, we're talking to specifically to a technology audience here on status go. So how do we inject these conversations into our IT departments, into our technology companies? Yeah. I, I wish I had a magic bullet. Um, I don't. Cultural sensitivity is is really a difficult um, thing to take on, and I will say in some ways in the tech sector even harder, mm -hmm. because as techni technical workers we tend to be technically focused. You know, here's the job to do, here's the task, here is the uh, management of the project that we need to do. And we all tend to focus on tasks and jobs to be done. And my experience is we forget that we are people doing this work and we're people working together. Take out the stereotypes of tech workers as, uh, <laughs> as mm -hmm. uh, not personality people, which is definitely not true, but that's what people think. Mm -hmm. um, we don't tend to talk to one another about things other than what we're working on. Yeah, yeah. So again, I'll say it again, cultural sensitivity is really difficult. And I think one of the things that when I'm working with a group on either anti-racism, uh, uh, DE&I, uh, anti-bias, anything is uh, we have to start learning what our assumptions are, yeah. uh, which is really difficult because um, we we are we don't live in a theocracy. I don't want to get political here, but we don't live in a Christian country. 
yet aspects of Christianity are pervasive in our secular culture. Yes. So if we don't take the time to think, is that truly a secular value or is it coming from a religious tradition that may not be even one that is mine, but that's common accepted behavior. Am I aware of that? And then am I assuming that that's the value of the person I'm working with? Yeah. So at an abstract level, I just want to affirm that it's difficult and I don't expect people just to get it. What yeah. I do expect yeah. people who, who have, who hear this podcast is that they're going to make an attempt to start paying attention to learn and stop learn. assuming. Right. Right. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, uh, I'll call my own self out on something that you and I just uh, you and I just talked about, Aaron. So um, when I uh, when I wrote the introduction for today's podcast, um, I introduced Aaron as a rabbi in the Jewish community. I did not realize, or it didn't occur to me that that's redundant. <laughs> that you're a rabbi. Right. And, and you were kind enough uh, to shoot me a note and just say, hey, Jeff, that needs to be changed a little bit. And and that's how that's how I learned. So thank you for that, uh, for sure. Um, and, and I think as we as as leaders, if we're open to those learnings and open to that and, and we don't, uh, you know, I could have. I don't know. I, 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 I could have ignored what you said. I could have felt incredibly embarrassed by what you, by what you said. Um, but I didn't, it was like, ah, that's a learning opportunity. Right. And I think that's, I think that's part of the attitude that we need to come to. I, I can remember when I was uh, CIO for, for the Goodwill organization here in town, and I had uh, a couple of gentlemen on my staff who were Muslim and they were, were practicing. And what I mean by that is they felt strongly about their afternoon prayers. Um, and could they take time away from their, their duties, uh, specific time every day for those prayers? And, and the answer was, of course you can. Um, and I don't, I don't think anybody on the team even raised an eyebrow to saying, yes, you can, you can carve that time out. Right. Um, and you know, it, uh, again, it's opening to learn and opening to have those conversations and, uh, and being able to say, Jeff or Aaron or whoever, this is important to me as my faith. Um, I need to be able to do these things. Can can we work out some way to accommodate that? Yeah, good for you and good for them. I, uh, I'm going to assume here, but um, I would presume it wasn't easy for them to come to you and say, this is important to us. Can we do this? Um, 
it's it is difficult to say I'm not like you, yeah. or yeah. I'm different. And 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 to add to that, <clears throat> I'm asking for for what seems to me like preferential or special treatment, mm -hmm. and and that's difficult to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I another example years and years ago, uh, working for a company and. Um, I, so of course we, um, we all take Christmas off. It's a secular holiday too. And this organization happened to take Good Friday off. Mm -hmm. uh, and if, uh, the Friday, uh, and the day after Easter, I think they took off too. And somebody said to me, um, do, do you get off for your holidays? And I said, course not and one of the uh sea level person came to me and said you know if you want to take those as holiday days not as pto mm -hmm. although we didn't call it pto then we call it vacation yeah rather than taking it as a vacation day uh we're okay with you taking that as a holiday I, I thought it was incredibly gracious, and my whole point in this story was I never thought to ask that. Yeah. I never thought to ask that because uh, I didn't want to ask for something special and unique because we don't often, we often don't want to point ourselves out. Right, right, right. Well, and that, that was very uh, culturally aware um, of, that, uh, of that sea level person to come and say, you can you can take those days and you don't have to burn uh, a, a vacation day or a PTO day uh, to be able to do that. I, I think uh, I think the whole concept of unlimited PTO is just a wonderful way to solve a lot of those things. Right. Where yeah. I don't care why you're taking the day off. You can take the day off. It's it it ends up being more. I'm going to I'm going to measure your your output, your, your creations, whatever it is that you're called upon to do for my organization, I'm going to measure you based on that, not whether or not your butt's in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> We're slowly getting there. Slowly. <laughs> very, very slowly, very slowly. Uh, and well, I think in some ways that there's an interesting tie in there with, with the new way that we're working uh, post COVID. Um, that may in some ways exacerbate this rather than uh, help it. So if I'm a Muslim working for home, of course I'm going to take my time to do uh, my prayers and nobody's going to know about it. So that'll be an interesting yeah. thing to look at five years from now. That's right. To see see whether that's moved the, the needle at all. So, well, as we're, as we're, Sitting here, and we're about out of time, uh, Aaron. Um, I really want to uh, have our audience walk away from this conversation with uh, an action, uh, something that they can go and do. So, as, as you think about our conversation, what what are one or two things our listeners could do tomorrow because they listened to our conversation today? Yeah. So, I have I have a few. Um, so at the macro level, it's, we can create an atmosphere of open conversation. And the first part of that is asking questions. 
Um, I know my Christian colleagues are often reluctant to ask me questions for whatever reason. They feel ignorant. They don't want to show they're ignorant. Uh, and that really is ridiculous. How would you learn if you don't ask questions? Yeah. Um, and be patient, both when people are reluctant to talk about it because we're not used to it um, and suspicious. And the other part is sometimes people will ask um, somebody with a different religion, they'll ask them questions that they don't know the answer. Mm -hmm. um, so just be patient there. And I was thinking about this, what's one demonstrable thing you can do? Um, you know, you can add religious holidays to, to your calendar on Outlook. It's yeah. really easy. Uh, file, options, calendar, add calendar. And you can add all the Jewish holidays. Sorry, there's a ton of them, most of which are minor and we don't pay attention. It's just going to fill up your calendar. <laughs> and, and Sunni and Shia Islamic holidays are available there too. So mm -hmm. if you have a, a, an org-wide shared calendar, mm -hmm. um, put it on there along with the secular holidays. It's yeah. not that you're going to do anything special, but I think it's a great way to um, start the awareness process. Yeah. Oh, yeah. today is X, Y, Z. I have no idea what that is. I'm going to go ask somebody. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm going to find out, you know, thank God for Google. We'll go Absolutely. to Google and we'll find out what it is. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a great, I, I love that. I actually jotted that down. Uh, I'm going to. I, I use Google, not Microsoft Outlook, but I assume Google can do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna add that to my calendar this afternoon. I think that is a great action. Great. Well, Aaron, I, I really want to thank you for carving out time to talk with us, but uh, really for carving out time to help educate us, help us all grow, help us all be... Uh, uh, better leaders, better managers by understanding uh, the different people that are in our organization. So thank you so very much. You're very welcome. And I love that you say the people in our organization, because organizations are not a monolithic thing. They are people. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. It all comes down to the people. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, Visit intervision.com. Uh, we'll have the show notes there and we'll provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Aaron Spiegel. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.